everybody. Welcome to Teacher's Wine with Jen and Justine. How's everybody doing today? It is cold. Oh, it's so cold. We actually just got sent home from work early because yes. the roads were so bad. Uh, lots of vis- visibility issues, but you know, how was your week otherwise though, Jen? Um, it's been good. I think the kids are finally feeling a sense of I guess, routine back in the classroom. It took us a while to be there. It's been such a weird month where we start middle of January or second week of January, and then we're having to, like, relearn our routines a little bit. Oh, yeah. That's always a fun time right after Christmas. (laughs) Exactly. And especially with the first lockdown, right? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I should correct myself. With winter break. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so that's been quite interesting. I feel like this week is the most, like, normal. I've seen them as normal as we can be during... During this time. Normal in air quotes. Yeah. In Alberta, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then how about yours? Uh, It was like, it was kind of like a relaxing, I can breathe again week because leading up to report cards and everything, things were getting quite busy and, you know, we always spend so much extra time getting those done properly and this year was a little more stressful having to answer to a few different principles. Uh, so this week was quite nice for me. Yay. Oh, that's good. That's true. Cause you've got principles from all over. Yeah. So different expectations. Yeah. And actually it turned out to be completely fine. I was given a template from the board oh, essentially that I just followed. And so it was quite easy this time around. However, you know, Always stressful that you're going to put something wrong on a legal document. <laughs> yep, absolutely. No, that's fair. We had that stress just in the normal classroom. Yeah. So I can imagine that with multiple schools. Yeah. Perfect. But so this week, what we wanted to do, we wanted to bring you a couple of, or a few of the things that Jen and I really have liked to do over the years in our classroom. So this might be pre-COVID information, uh, or it might be from stuff that we're doing during COVID. But essentially, it's going to be a little phys ed and science slash math heavy uh, because that's what we specifically teach. Hopefully, if you don't teach those things and you're listening to this podcast for ideas, maybe you'll be able to take something that uh, we say and apply it in a different way. Hopefully, you can get some information out of this. And we're also hoping, too, if you are... uh, some Because of COVID, you're you're one of those teachers that maybe are teaching everything now... Mm -hmm where you weren't I'm also hoping that this will give you some ideas because while we were chatting about it I just learned some cool things that I can use from PE into my normal classroom (laughs) so that was fun okay all right why don't you go ahead and uh why don't you explain to everyone the one that I really liked with what you're doing to music (laughs) uh so one of the things that I really like to do in phys ed I mean of course you always go into a gym or sorry yeah a gym and you hear blaring music I I'm going to go on a tangent for a second. <laughs> and if we cut this out, that's fine. Okay. What are you thinking? <laughs> um, it is so funny to me because it's been like almost hammered into my head that I don't teach gym. I teach in a gym, but I teach physical education. And so I'm always very careful with which word I'm using. And so sometimes I'll get kind of cut up, cut up on that or caught up on that. And... Um, it takes me a minute to sort in my head what the right word is. Okay, that <laughs> makes sense. I personally don't care. I'm, yeah. I don't care if you call me a gym teacher, but I do know that there are a lot of uh, pe- teachers who teach phys ed who are like, no, I don't teach gym. And that's fine for me. I don't care. But it's someone else might want that distinction. Because, yeah, there is a difference when you're teaching actual fitness skills mm-hmm. versus a gym. I can see the difference. Yeah, and I just, I know that's 
big issue for some people. So I just want to use the proper language, which I don't always do. <laughs> but anyways, so obviously we always have music going on in there. And I'm not necessarily just saying put music on to um, when your kids are in the gym. But more so I'll do things like um, one of my favorite things to do. And I actually got this off of uh, somebody we had come in te to teach um, dribbling to some of our basketball teams. And uh, she put it to music and it was used the Eminem one of it was an Eminem song that was used. And so we obviously only did instrumental and they had to essentially dribble to the beat. And so then you can multi-level this right with however your whatever skill level your kids are at. Like if it's OK, maybe you have to use two hands to dribble the ball, which we don't really recommend, but you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, or if you're going to be using two basketballs and dribbling to the beat and like maybe only having this one ball bouncing to a certain beat and this other ball bouncing to a different beat and having them going at different times, uh, it's really easy to make it multi-leveled in phys ed. But that's just one of the things that I've really picked up and enjoyed doing. And it's fun. I think it's fun for the kids. They seem to engage pretty well in it too. No, that sounds so fun. Like I was just thinking while you were talking about it, I know I got super excited about it, but like that would be really cool even just in a normal classroom, whether it's like for a movement break mm -hmm. and even if it's just with small bouncy ba uh, balls as opposed to like a giant basketball because in a classroom, a basketball feels really big. Or even squats. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just They have a Sally up down um, challenge that's on, I think it's on YouTube. And so essentially it's a song that's just like, and then Sally's up and yep. then Sally's down. And every time they say Sally's down, you have to go down and hold the squat until they say Sally's up. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of me just taking some of your PE stuff to my classroom. Yeah. Movement breaks are always a good idea. Yeah. Especially like, I'm sure you guys are noticing too, like if you are teaching students like they're tired of sitting in one spot all day. Well, Jen, what do you do to help them out with that? No, totally. So <laughs> one of the things that um, I love to do, and it's kind of, I, I think maybe in the math world it's classic, but maybe it's not, I don't know, is to just, um, one, I always put them into multi-level groups. So I prefer to have mixed groupings. So you've got students that really, really master some of the concepts that we're learning and some that are still working their way there. And I put them in two or three. Three is kind of the better sweet spot, but you can't always do it depending on your class size and uh, the amount of space that we need now with physical distancing. But I put them in their groups and I'll write um, a problem or an equation on the board and I have them just tackle at it with their groups. And then the trick with this one is I always ha uh, specifically pick someone to explain it to me. Sometimes it's the kids who mastered it. Sometimes it's the kids who are just kind of getting it. And sometimes it's the ones that really struggle, depending on what I've been seeing. But um, two reasons I love it is one, just getting them, of course, up and at the whiteboard and making them feel safe. Because when they're at the whiteboard, it's really only them and their group that are staring at the problem. So the idea of other people are looking at me doesn't exist anymore because you know who can see past you and who's really not. It's mostly just me. And um, the other one that's really cool is when they're doing something that involves multi-steps, um, say solving a, a somewhat complex algebra equation, the fact that literally just their finger can erase the mm. simple mistake that they made. Maybe they just carry the negative through. Maybe they multiplied everything by a two when it should have been multiplied by four. Like one simple little finger to just erase everything. And mm -hmm. it's really cool to see them. Like I hadn't done it in a while with COVID. And this time I was like, 
let's do our precautions well. Let's make sure our masks are on and let's just try it and see how it goes. And it was so great to see how many of them just got it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one of my cool things that I love to do for math. And kids actually love writing on the whiteboard. Like they love being at the front and doing that, but it's that confidence piece why some of them won't get up and do that when it's just one in front of the whole class. So I like how you're kind of drawing the attention away and still letting them have that novelty of... Mm -hmm. This is the whiteboard. Look yeah. how fun it is. Yeah. If they ever become teachers, they'll realize the whiteboard's not as fun as they thought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially now with technology, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, ooh, why don't you tell me about the the game that you had them play online at home? Okay, so yeah. So uh, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, I'm trying out Flipgrid. I didn't really understand it at first uh, and so I tried out this one activity just to really give this um, tool a try and uh, so during the lesson I gave them 10-15 minutes to go and play the floor is lava and so they had to make their way from one side of the room to the other and they could go and grab things that they were allowed to step on and I mean obviously I put disclaimers out there like don't step on anything your parents <laughs> wouldn't want you to don't use anything that you know can hurt you or you know I took my due diligence to do that uh, but it was really fun to watch the videos of the kids jumping around their rooms and or living rooms or wherever they were. And it was actually really funny. One girl had her mom poker her head around the corner and she's just like, what class is this? <laughs> and you could see her laugh and say, Fizzed. And her mom was like, oh, that's cool. That makes so, sense. <laughs> it was really fun to watch the kids kind of play around in their environment in a way they probably haven't in years. Yeah, since they were really little, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then again, too, I was piggybacking off of this one thing that we could probably do something like this in the classroom as well, whether it's they're walking on different like colored tiles or if you set like different um, like hoops or whatever equipment you would get from PE or, and that's what they can step on, slash mm -hmm. not step in or whatever the case yeah. may be just to kind of get them moving around. So I feel like I'm learning a lot with this podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. And that one was fun too, because I got to introduce it with like all those wipeouts from the show, The Floor is Lava. <laughs> and so they enjoyed like watching people not be able to jump from one thing to another. <laughs> and then had to recreate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, you tell them to be, or the more creative they can be, the less items they can use, like yep. the more fun it will be and the more challenging. So some kids did some really cool things. Like it was impressive to see them like almost using like an oar to wheel a wheelie chair from one side to another. That's so <laughs> fun. Oh it was goodness. hilarious. That's really funny. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll share another one of mine. This I feel like this one works with any word. So mm -hmm. I'll use, um, I think about two examples. I might just focus on one. We'll see how it goes. Can I start out this one? Sure. Okay. So Jen is so good at inquiry-based oh learning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am like always in awe of what she can do with that. And I'm not going to lie. When I taught math, I hated inquiry-based learning because A, it was a newer thing when I taught mm -hmm. math and then I had a friend who was still in school trying to explain inquiry-based math to me yep. and it just sounded like a nightmare and it just sounded so hard and I couldn't wrap my head around it. And then when I saw the way that you did it, I was so impressed. Oh my gosh. I'm like, <laughs> I can feel myself going red. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll hand it over to you, but she, Jen is incredible at oh this my gosh. stuff. 
Um, okay, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but so like before I even just get into like the math piece behind it, kind of what I do with any terminology. So um, I don't know about like your students or your kids at home or whatever, but I find our kids, if you give them a new word, it's just like, what? What do you mean, right? So one of the things that um, I've kind of explored through, I guess, teaching and PD sessions is to give them a word, but to build upon it with other words. So I'll do it with the science example first, and then I'll go with the math example. With the science one, for example, say you're talking about environmental chemistry. That itself just sounds very complex, and I don't know what's coming to your brain. In my brain, I just see, like, people in lab coats and working on something and talking about climate change. I see, like, a tanker spill. Right? Yeah. So it's for already now for a 14 year old, you know, they're like, what? That's, that's a lot. So I wouldn't even propose the introduction to that unit that way. I would just start off with, well, what is environment and have them brainstorm different ways of environment. So environment is maybe the temperature. Maybe it's our environment inside our school. Maybe it's our um, use of recycling and composting and taking out the trash and black bins. Maybe it's the environment of like the mountains versus the environment in the city and just talking about those pieces before I even link the idea of things like acid rain or um, soil properties or pH in the climate, just focusing on that one word. Then I would focus in that definition within the unit and kind of build on those ideas. But this is just such a cool way to introduce a topic because I know we do things like the K like the knowledge um the KWL charts yep um like what you want to know and then afterwards like what you did learn uh, I know we do those a lot and I think that those if you do that all the time with your kids it can get kind of repetitive and so uh, I just think that you do a good way of pretty much using that chart without actually using the chart, if that makes sense. Well, and that goes back to like what I was saying earlier, I think in the previous podcast with like the wordles, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on the unit, I will do the wordle so they can see it and come back to it. Right. Mm -hmm. But for something as simple as like, I think environment is, it's important for kids to think they already know what a good chunk of these words mean or have an idea of what they mean. So how can they put those contexts together? And I think that's going to be an important skill for when they come across new words in their life, mm-hmm. right? How does that one word connect to something else they know and what's that meaning? How are you going to figure out what this is? Exactly. I guess everybody has iPhones now. Yeah, <laughs> but even then, right? I know, but you still have to figure out what a definition actually is, mm-hmm. what it means and what the context is. Like I had a lesson on tolerance, but we were talking about drugs. Yep. And so a lot of kids went and when they did their assignment, um, they just went and copied and pasted tolerance from from Google. Got it. Yep. <laughs> and they didn't relate it to the topic we were talking yep. about. So No, that's yeah, exactly I, it. I, yeah. Yeah. You're you're teaching them how to figure it out in the appropriate context and I just yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's an important skill and I think it, like I said, once they're able to understand that that's what it is, when they hear the word environment again, that idea of the science brain will or sorry, the science word will pop into their brain. Yeah. Um, the other word that I did, and I, Justine, actually, you reminded me about the whole lesson because it's been a while, was um, introducing something like circle geometry, which can be a very abstract concept in grade nine. <laughs> um, I struggle trying to like teach it and bring it down to the kid's level. But so Justine was reminding me of a lesson where it was me and my partner teacher, and we just said, well, okay, well, what's a circle? And they just had to think about where they see circles. So is it in your eyes? Is it the, our desk that we're sitting at at the round tables? Is it a basketball? What it, What is it? 
How would you create a definition for that then? Because it's not like a square that has four sides. It is the opposite of that almost, right? Or does it have multiple sides? Does it have no sides? And just talking about that. And then the next question was like, well, what would happen if you had a circle and you cut it in half? So then that would be like the diameter, right? And I always often, if I can relate math to food, I will always do that. So I'm <laughs> sure I talked about pizzas. I often do that when I relate it, uh, when I relate to fractions mm-hmm. and, you know, like what would that look like mm-hmm. or a cake and fractions and just anything to connect this abstract idea to something that they already have prior knowledge to, I think is so important. I hear you. I get hungry every time I use fractions. <laughs> <laughs> That was hilarious. But yeah, (laughs) that's more or less my trick for like trying to build their vocabulary. And I actually love that because I actually introduced a word to them two weeks ago uh, that I thought that they would know. And then this is really funny because uh, a lot of the teachers at our school who are teaching phys ed there right now are coming out with the exact same thing. Kids aren't understanding the phys ed language. And so then now we're starting to take terms and break them down. Not that I'm a part of that because mm-hmm. I'm not in school. Yeah. Uh, but I've helped it a little bit and uh, create some direction for what those teachers want to do. Uh, again, I've helped a little bit. But like even things like they're starting with a word of the week. Yeah. So um, this week was agility. And so what does that look like in each unit that you're doing? And things like that. But I brought up the word integrity because my husband did a podcast on it and I was really into it. So I brought up the word sports integrity to my class and they didn't even know what integrity was. And so I wish that we did this podcast like two weeks ago because then I would have approached this exactly how you just explained it. And I think it would have been uh, a lot more interactive of a lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Because once you once they connect to it, they're going to feel confident and then they're more able to buy into like what you're, I don't want to say selling, but sometimes that is what it feels like a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, oh, yes. Okay. So this one I wanted to ask you about just to give our listeners a different um, idea. Your um, fitness slash nutrition plan, which I thought was a really cool way to keep them engaged online. I tried. <laughs> so with this, I honestly don't know what other provinces or countries uh curriculum look like for phys ed i haven't i've looked at the bc one briefly because i used to teach there for one year don't really remember it but the way it works for our curriculum is we have essentially a b c d's of phys ed um a's are like your skills b's are all the benefits of fitness C's are like your cooperation STEM, like how you work with others. And then D is pretty much like your participation, doing it daily for life is is what it is. Uh, And so when we actually mark our report cards, we only have on our report card, the indicators for STEMs A, C, and D. So that B STEM is always hard. And what's really neat about being online right now is we can take the time and actually go over the B STEM because in there it's things like fitness planning and nutrition planning and how are you going to reach this goal, which is hard to sit down in 50 minutes and do with kids in person. Mm -hmm. And especially since this is like the one hour a day that they get to get up and run around, you don't really want to sit there and do paperwork stuff with them. So it was cool to get to focus on that part of it for once. And I used to be a personal trainer. Um, My sister's a personal trainer. She's in 
wicked shape. <laughs> I've learned a lot from her over that. Uh, not being in wicked shape, but <laughs> about how to get there. <laughs> and so it was really fun to sit there with the kids and they go, okay, well, what do you want to accomplish in phys ed? And so then some of them, well, I don't know. I don't know. And I tried to really steer away from that losing weight because mm-hmm. I do not think that's a healthy nope. mindset for kids. I think that if they do need to lose weight, a doctor can tell them that, not their phys ed teacher. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think that I can help them enjoy being active, which will hopefully help with that. And but sorry, I just want to interject too. It's like, we don't want them focusing on their the parents. idea of losing weight. Yes. Because weight to me is so subjective because if you're gaining muscle mass, that's very different. If you're only judging your, your health by the scale, well, it's going to go up if you gain muscle, male or female. Yes, exactly. And I actually ended up having some kids um, put in that they wanted to lose some weight. And some were like five pounds. One person had recently had surgery and wasn't able to be active. So gained a little bit of weight because of that and wanted to lose like 40 pounds. And that's where I had to step in. I contacted the parent and, you know, said this isn't great for mindset. And if the doctor says they need to lose weight, I'm happy to help them. But we need to come up with a better number. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I didn't like take it totally off the table, Mm -hmm. but I was just very careful about that. But anyways, so the first step of their project was they had to come up with a goal for their fitness and they had to use the smart principles Uh, and I made sure that they made it measurable so that they knew exactly when they accomplished it and that was hard working with kids to try and figure that part out I really wish I did do this project differently I wish that I made each step due at different times which I didn't do I wish I chunked it out differently Mm -hmm. because I did chunk it but it was still all all together yes I remember you saying that yeah so If I was online again, teaching this again, I would do it completely different, but I would do the same project because I do think it is really cool that they get to learn this because when I went to the gym, when I was 18, I had no idea what I was doing. I worked at a gym. And so then I was lucky that I got discount on personal training. And so then that's what kind of, um, got me more into this world, Mm -hmm. I guess, actually, but you don't know how to work out. Like you absolutely don't. And my main goal as a phys ed teacher is to help kids find something that they're passionate about so that they can be active and healthy after they don't have a phys ed teacher telling yeah, them to run. I agree. Yeah. And so anyways, that was the point of my assignment and it was really cool. Some of the stuff I got back and now the kids are in the section of the plan where they're actually using their plan for their weekly physical uh, activity hours. And so it's really neat to see the kids going, well, this part's not really working and this part's great. And it's just, It's been a really cool learning process um, and it's been fun to guide them through it, to be very honest. Well, so that's one of the things that I love about that challenge, which is why I brought it up to talk about it today is, or I guess that lesson is because ultimately that's a life skill. Do you know how to take care of yourself and do you know what workout you like? Because like, like we've said, had this conversation before, I will be happy at my gym, lifting my weights, running on my treadmill, doing, you know, my spinning. Don't ever put me in a team sport. I wouldn't know what to do. You saw me today. I'm going to flinch when the ball comes at me, right? Like it's, or puck or whatever the case may be. But regardless, it's just knowing that part of being healthy is having an active lifestyle, but not everyone's active lifestyle would be the same. Mm-hmm. And now they really got to test that. And I think that's a huge skill that a lot of them will walk away with. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really cool to get them to pick like, I don't know, like there's different components of fitness, right? So you have um, just the health related components and you have your skill related components. And I mean, I'm not going to go all the way into those, but like your 
health-related ones would be things like muscular strength, endurance, mm-hmm. um, flexibility, things like that. And so it was really cool to say, you know what, if you're an athlete, like try and pick a skilled one and, or a skill component and make this a little bit more difficult for yourself. And then you're actually working to improve yourself for your sport. Yep. However, not all of you play. And honestly, a lot of my online students don't play sports. And so then I really told them that they should focus on the health related components because again, it's for their health. So then I don't know, do you want to be able to run farther? How much farther and how, what amount of time, what can you do now? Mm-hmm. And this is where I think fitness testing, I think fitness testing can have such a bad name. I don't love it, but I love fitness testing when you can use it properly. So it was cool to tell them all these different at home tests that yeah. they could try and do. And in the grand scheme of things, I wish that I said, do them. Yeah. Then you can have more of an idea of what your goal should be. Well, especially because they can't, we're in such a weird position where yeah. you can't always test it, right? Right. So if you're giving those things at home, mm-hmm. you know, they have that, I guess, measurement, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because they need to know where they're starting. But if I had said, do these five tests, it might have narrowed it down a little bit for some of them to go, oh yeah, like that running took me way longer than I thought. Maybe that's what I should focus on or whatever it might be. Maybe it was, I could only do four pushups on my toes, yeah. which is fine. Because I just, I have such a hard time going, you know what? You can only do four pushups. That's not good enough. Yeah. Because that's, again, that's not, not okay. the point. Yeah. Especially with all the factors thrown in our way. Like both you know, you and I have noticed how um, different we are physically or active in comparison to the way we were even just a year ago. Mm-hmm. But going back to um, what you're saying with testing, I think, I think from what I'm hearing, it's giving them a starting point. Yes. And that's what I like. I like being able to track their progress and them see their progress. Yeah. That's what I like to use it for. Um, it, it Sometimes I can get tricky. But anyways, I've gone on a completely different tangent. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I guess the point of that is I liked the project. I would definitely do it differently next time. But I mean, that's how we learn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and especially with the first time rolling it out with online, right? Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Um, ooh, okay. So mine... My other one that I've used, I've used this one, I think, every year that I've taught science now that we're actually thinking about this. So I'll put the link in the description below on Anchor. But uh, this is, it's called origami, and I'm well aware it's not origami. It's just paper folding. Yeah. But it's two, uh, it's two things. So one, we're getting kids, so it's about making a DNA model, mm-hmm. and you're making it out of paper. And there's two versions of it that float around. The one that I give to most kids is where they have to go through and color it. And what they're doing is they're coloring each nucleotide to each other. So A and T gets paired up. If you're not a science person, just know that the colors are important. You guys don't see my face right now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She's like, what is she talking about? Uh, If you didn't want to use it that that way or if your kids um, are struggling with that concept, you can give them a colored version. But regardless, the folding is on YouTube, so they can work on their own pace. My kinesthetic learners love it. And what you end up with when you're done folding is a paper that starts to twist and mimics the double helix of DNA. Mm. And they're also looking at, um, like, you can take it further and give them, like, time to research. Like, what do the letters mean? Or do the letters code for different genes? Like, you could also use it in high school with grade 12s. Mm Um, but it's just such a fun, simple way to get kids thinking about DNA. Like I almost in some years have just given them the video and the worksheets. Hey, figure this out. Here's a couple of pieces of paper to work with it. This year, I definitely gave more versions of the colored ones where they went and just folded it and followed the patterns. 
And other years, um, we've talked about DNA all the way through and then build the model. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a fun thing to really think like, because we can't get our hands on, on DNA and because we might not understand the way the, the nucleotides are pairing up, here's a way that you're coloring it. And here's a way you're folding it and you're working on a project that's so unique to your DNA. And I mean that, no, no pun intended with that, but it's really, really cool to see them kind of light up with that. And so I've got them in my classroom hanging in this from the ceiling. And it's just a fun little project that they, you really do see your tactile learners who maybe don't understand some of the concepts of, of something as complex as DNA right away really get it in something like this. So that's kind of one of my fun ones. So which way did you like teaching it the best? Did you like having them do it at the beginning, middle, or end of the unit the most? I think it really depends on the kids. Okay. Definitely depends on the kids because I know what? our... They're not all the same? <laughs> in theory. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I know uh, one of our other coworkers who also used it uh, the same uh, lesson this year. She said she almost wish she gave more of the more students the colored versions mm -hmm. as a, because they spent so much time trying to color it, um, it then it maybe just felt they like should yeah so it really does depend but yeah it's still a cool lesson gets them kind of using their brains and their tactile skills for a concept that's quite complex i don't understand it so oh, well <laughs> like guess what we're doing after this podcast guys <laughs> Get me some colored paper. Let's do it. I got a ton of construction paper. Let's do it. <laughs> but okay, so then let's lead into our segment then mm -hmm. because talking about Jen's wonderful classroom, <laughs> she also has one of the prettiest classrooms I have ever seen. Again, I don't think this is true, but <laughs> <laughs> but Jen is very Pinteresty. I should just start calling you Pinterest Jen. <laughs> I feel like this happened with two other coworkers calling me this while you were on Malive. <laughs> I, I don't know. This seems to be a thing, but um, yeah, I like I like decorating stuff. I just I've always been that way. I think my second job would have been interior design if I Ooh. if yeah. I didn't go into teaching. Um, so I think what we wanted to discuss was like the the functionalities of it, right? Well, we're gonna we're gonna name this segment um, Jen's Pinterest classroom. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And then um, I'm gonna let her give you yeah. all her wonderful ideas every time we do the segment. Don't spill all your beans all at once. <laughs> okay. So I'll talk about maybe three things that I've done, and then what I'll do is I'll also post photos on Instagram so you guys can take a peek at it. So um, while we think about it, my one of my favorite ones, and it sounds so simple, but it's actually such a cool thing, is just a calendar I made out of poster, a poster frame. Mm -hmm. So I got the poster frame from Michael's and then I use paint chips on the inside to represent the days of the week. And mm -hmm. I've got the letters of the days of the week at the top. So this makes more sense if you take a look at the photo. <laughs> but um, with the poster frame, it's like plastic glass almost. Mm -hmm. I think it's called plexiglass. Yeah. I'm not sure. And I love that because the kids get really involved in I'm treating it like a whiteboard. So they often actually make out the calendar for me. They'll fill it in every month. Oh, fun. Yeah. So that's kind of a fun thing for them to do in terms of like leadership. But I really do like it because you do see them looking at it like, oh. So for example, like with this week, um, we've got teacher's convention coming up. Mm -hmm. So they're like looking at the calendar. Oh, next week is only three days of school. Okay. And then this is, why don't we have school on Monday? It's family day. Oh, that's a holiday. And it really just... It almost like I picture the way three-year-olds would look at a chore, a chore chart. This is what they're doing because that's a skill they don't have yet. It just draws their attention to it and they, it, it's just like what we're supposed to do at the beginning of every lesson. Tell them like 
where we're going and yeah. what the point of it is. So it's just kind of like sitting there telling them where they're going for that month. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's, and I, and I know some of you guys are like, oh, well, I've got it on a calendar. I can always put the calendar on the smart board. And I've done that before too, but I find having the physical calendar and when you can get, again, their buy-in into it, they themselves start reminding each other, oh, this project is due this day. Look, it's on the calendar. Miss Mahal, Miss Mahal, when's this due? Look over there. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's really cool. And I think some of my kids that are very organized appreciate that because then they've got something that they can look to. So yeah. that's one of them. Um, another one that I love, and the board was already made for me. So it's, um, it's again, it makes more sense with the pictures. I almost feel like I should do a video about this. Um, it's a black board that's made out of wood. Um, and it's got, again, the days of the week on it. And it's got little clips on it. And this definitely was used way more pre-COVID than now because of how many things kids can touch. But whenever I'm done with a lesson, you as teachers would understand this. We always have those extra set of handouts. Mm -hmm. We always have at least two or three on, on our hands. That goes on there. And then so the second the kid comes back the next day, hey, what did we do yesterday? I just literally do that. I point to it. There it is. Go get it. And I used to have before COVID like a chalkboard sign that's like, if you were away grab your worksheet so they know what they missed. And that was really cool. It, again, builds independence with them, but it's a simple thing of just a board on a wall with the days of the week. And like, you don't even have to do it that fancy. If you wanted to just put like um, file folders up on a wall and staple them to the wall, you know, that could also work as well. Yeah, it's, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, it's almost like you're hand holding them into independence. Yes. <laughs> you're laying out so nicely so that they can be independent. And maybe it's just so that they don't talk to you as much. <laughs> Sometimes that's what it is. No, I'm just joking. No, I love hearing their voices. I know, yeah. I know. Um, yeah, and I think, I'm trying to think of a different one that I have that's in there. Oh, yes. The other one that I do like too is I've got... Um, some of these chalkboards on the wall. And again, before COVID, I'd have them have a lot more say in this. But what I used to do was every month while the kids were doing the calendar, on this chalkboard, I would give another kid to come up with a quote of the month. Oh, And fun. so that's really fun to do in homeroom time because they get to research a quote that represents them. So the quote that's still up there um, is from one of my students who loves basketball. So her quote's about competition and basketball. And it just very much represents her, but she gets to say kind of in our classroom. And of course, we're all staring at it it's there and that's been up there for a little while now but just simple things like that can you think of any of the quotes you had that were your favorite oh gosh did you get you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take no i didn't do that one. that <laughs> justine can do my next one then i oh sorry <laughs> what was it not last year the year before yeah the year before I went and printed off a ton of motivational sports quotes okay. and like they were like pictured and I like uh, laminated them and everything. They were like smaller squares oh and I gosh. stuck them all over the gym and like you could see kids going up and reading them and some of them were like kind of cheesy. I love cheesy. Yeah. You know I love cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Like it, yeah. Anyways, but it was really cool because you could see them going around doing like looking at those and I love, I love quotes. I think that they can get people thinking a different way and I even put a huge, um, billboard over our entrances of our gym yeah um that's just pretty much telling them to work hard while they're in there and leave the gym yep. feeling better than you went in uh things like that so for me i just think quotes are can be so powerful and personally for me they're motivating yeah. so i love that i love that idea yeah so that's kind of i don't know those are kind of my items 
Yeah, no, I love that you can put like the student students getting to interact with it too. Like I think that's so ideal. And I I know that I don't see your classrooms all the time, but whenever I pop my head in, things are just running so smoothly. You can tell kids respect you a lot and really like care about what you think and really want to put in the effort for you. So I think that uh I feel like I feel like she's being really like really <laughs> exaggerating this. I did have a kid fall asleep in my class. I just say, just say. Well, maybe they didn't sleep last <laughs> night. <laughs> uh, but I just, I'm always in awe, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast with you, Janice, because I really truly believe that I can learn a lot from you. Oh my you. god, this is too much. <laughs> I think I genuinely mean that. Oh my god. But anyways, I think we went a little long on this podcast. So we are going to call it here and hopefully you want to hear more about what we have to say (laughs) and you can join us next week at the same place, same time, same (laughs) bat time, same bat channel. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. But really, thanks for whining with us.